Hello and welcome to Embodied Astrology. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Renee Sills. I'm a consulting astrologer, astrology teacher, somatic educator, and host of the Embodied Astrology virtual community. This is a podcast where we explore astrology through creative, queer, embodied, experiential, and experimental avenues. I'm releasing this episode on March 2nd, 2023, and the planet Mercury who in astrology is often associated with communication, conversation, and connections, has just entered the tropical sign Pisces. It's also Pisces season. And in five days on March 7th, one of the most notable astrological events of the year will occur, which is Saturn's ingress into Pisces, where it will transit for almost three years, culminating in February 2026. Joining me today to talk about Saturn in Pisces is Dr. Sherry Taylor, Sherry is a mystic, dream worker, dream walker, end-of-life doula, and writer. She is deeply and passionately interested in the being of being human. An apprentice to spirit, Sherry is happiest when serving her community by curating spaces where people can claim themselves as beloved and are in profound contact with the expansiveness of their own humanity. Sherry is guardian of the Soul Studio Lab and Black Women's Dream Lab, After completing master's and doctoral degrees in clinical psychology, Sherry committed to an education of the heart. She's engaged in ongoing personal inquiry into contemplative and mystic traditions, mediumship, divination practices, traditional astrology, and dream work, a spiritual exploration and liberatory practice. I've had the honor and opportunity to get to know Sherry over the past year through Embodied Astrology, where she's a frequent contributor and a catalyzing agent for many profound realizations and exciting aha moments in our workshops and monthly astrology tea time spaces. Sherry's synthesis of clinical psychology, death and dream work, energy medicine, mysticism, and astrology continues to expand my perceptions of symbolic frequencies. And the exchanges we have always leave me feeling more liberated, curious, and inspired. The conversation I'm sharing in today's episode is one of a few that Sherry and I have had as we've been preparing for a workshop we're collaborating on, which will take place on March 7th. In true Piscean fashion, we meander in many directions, including more questions than answers, and we drift between the surreal, subtle, and sublime. I hope that you enjoy listening and come away with more juicy, imaginative, and healing relationship with Saturn, and some imaginal sprouts for the potentials of Saturn's transit in Pisces for you. If this conversation inspires something for you, and you're interested in journeying deeper into the healing potentials of this important astrological moment, I hope you'll join us for a four-session Embodied Astrology Workshop series with Sherry that brings a mythopoetic inquiry into Saturn's transit in Pisces. I'm excited to co-facilitate the first session with her on Tuesday, March 7th, which is the day of Saturn's ingress into Pisces and the Virgo full moon. This is where we'll be laying the groundwork and attuning with the energies of Saturn and Pisces in our natal charts as we consider what invitations this transit has to offer. Sherry will then guide three progressive sessions taking place in May, October, and November of this year to contemplate and be with the clarifying and life-affirming energies of Saturn and Pisces through explorations with languages of the soul, including mapping, storytelling, metaphor, embodiment, images, and symbolism. You're welcome to drop in for a single session or sign up for the whole series. If you can't make the live event times, you'll have access to the replays, as well as a virtual community space where Sherry will continue to work with this transit between sessions. 
Find more information at embodiedastrology.com in the workshop section and find the direct link in the show notes. This conversation began before we pressed record and as we set our intentions for our time and talking together. Well, one intention I have is that every time we talk, I feel like new realms of astrological possibility really open in my consciousness. Oh, wow. And I have the intention of learning and feeling saturated with the most healing and integrating and beneficial energies of Saturn and Pisces that might come out of this conversation by the time we leave. (laughs) Yes. Also, I mean, you've been my teacher for such a long time. And then to hear you say that like our conversations opened up realms of possible. I don't know. That's exciting. Um, My intention, every time we talk, it's almost like I hear myself saying, putting together something that I haven't been able to put together before. (laughs) Mm. Also, I amplify plus one infinity. Um, that I want to learn. But I also feel like my intention is to um, disrupt and reclaim, you know, I know Saturn is a malefic, but also, mm -mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes, yes. (laughs) Who told that story? Who told told that that story? story? Told that story. And who says we can't have a new story about Saturn? Mm. Right? A new relationship. Yeah. I have this being that I sometimes hold and I I actually don't know if this is a rock or a bone, to be honest. I found it. It reminds me of a um, talus bone and like a heel, talus heel configuration. Definitely looking bone from over here, that little. Mm -hmm. There's a little concavity in it and Uh um, it just kind of popped out at Mm -hmm. me and asked to be part of the conversation as you know, we talk about Saturn, which rules the bones and Pisces, which rules the heels. And when you just said what you said about disrupting the stories of Saturn, Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, really felt like the dissolving waters of Pisces and its creative limitlessness (laughs) and this sense of stories are limitless and archetypes are limitless and myths have beginnings that have other beginnings yes and the place where we meet the ground like that heel bone space Mm. yeah you know just it it feels like oh yeah resting into saturn and pisces and Mm. shifting a story around it is shifting a posture it's like shifting how we stand upon something Mm. and i i experience a lot of uh postural adjustment around my heels Mm. And it's one of the places where I pay attention to because I work at the standing desk a lot. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, where the weight is on my heels totally affects my spinal column and how my head is and what my well, organs are doing. And um, it really ha- it, it really affects how I feel the ground as well. Like there are certain places where if I'm too far back or too far kind of tilted to one side, it's like I lose contact with the ground. Right. Yeah, really excited to talk to you and feel new ways to. I mean, um, it's already happening. Touch the earth. Well, yes. Well, because, I mean, we could 
I'm going to try and rein myself in, but I know <laughs> I can, can do go a lot of places, but I just want to say that like what you're saying made me think about gravity and how gravity, right, is like, you know, this idea like gravity is pulling us down. It's like gravity, mm. what, gravity is Earth's embrace of us, mm. right? And so again, because Saturn being re- kind of being associated with like that heaviness, the gravitas of this, that, and the other, it's like, there's a lot of ways to be in relationship with our earthly experience, right? Totally. You know, I wonder about in the same way that, you know, certain words get lifted up into consciousness, like, why is this representative of something negative, like darkness, or weight, you know, like the sense of heaviness? Yes. And, um, Culturally, you know, it feels like, oh, we're all um, taught to, you know, be upright and like kind of have this very erect, like almost militaristic posture, you know, chest thrust forward and uh, feel really um, like confident or whatever in the posture. And I know you also have a movement background. And I don't know if you had this experience that I think a lot of movers and trained movers have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember at some point kind of realizing that I'd been trained to seek a posture of perfection that was completely disassociated from my actual power. So. And, and then I had a teacher teach me how to yield to gravity, you know, and really trust the earth. And in that uh, yielding, she invited us to feel how a true yield is a readiness to respond. It's not a collapse or like an enmeshment, but it's also not this tightness of kind of pulling the body away from the earth. The synchronicities abound. Right before we got on, I was revisiting the medicine of yield. I kid you not. Mm. Mm. I was revisiting something that I had written around the medicine of yield and our obsession with verticality. I think I was thinking about it in terms of Saturn and in terms of the many conversations that we've had at this point about Saturn. Mm -hmm. Because of that readiness, right? That yield being at least, you know, in some somatic schools of thought, right? Yield being the first fundamental movement. Yeah. Upon which every other more complex movement, right, is based, yield happens first, mm-hmm. right? Again, and now back to the, like every footfall, the foot yields to the ground as it, yeah. So mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. with that, right? Because then Saturn having the association with time, but not necessarily yeah. only the Kronos time, right? Yeah. We, we were talking recently about Kairos, and that being about sort of that readiness, mm-hmm. that 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 timing part, like waiting for the right moment. No, yeah, that <laughs> that feels that feels right on, you know, in the sense of when we had been talking about Kronos and Kairos time, and mm-hmm. Saturn as the time lord, and this kind of obsession with Saturn and linear time. Yep. And this feeling of like, oh, you know, Saturn is there driving time forward, da, 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 and uh, <laughs> punishing you when you're <laughs> not going at the right speed. Um, but that in our conversation, we were 
um, or maybe that's what we'll be talking about now again, mm -hmm. is this uh, sense of the Saturnian process and obstacles being part of a spiralic time. Yeah. And every, you know, yeah. you're trying to move forward and then Saturn comes in and tells you to wait, tells you to slow down, maybe pushes you back in time, creates the necessity to draw upon ancestral memory or historic uh, experience, and then lets you move forward. Right. And in the uh, somatic association with yield, you know, I'm remembering how the the yield and that kind of first pattern of really resting into contact mm. is what strengthens the cells and gives them the integrity that they need to move forward. Wow. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Mm -hmm. So where do we start? I feel like, I know we've started, but like, where do we, where, <laughs> what's our, what's going to be our trailhead? <laughs> we're in our nonlinear Saturnian Piscean spiral, shall we start? Well, maybe I'll just circle all the way back to the beginning and okay. just say, welcome, Sherry. Thanks for being on the Embodied Astrology podcast. It's a pleasure to talk Hi, to hello. you today. Yes, I'm excited to be here. I would love to introduce you to okay. the listeners. Great. And um, for anyone that has read Sherry's bio, which is in the show notes, then you know all of this, but Sherry, you have such an impressive <laughs> bio. When I was reading it on your website, I was like, wow, Sherry knows so much stuff. <laughs> and <laughs> you've studied clinical psychology, you have a master's and a doctoral degree, you're a professor of psychology, uh, you teach at CIIS and the Wright Institute, mm. you're a Reiki and an energy medicine practitioner, <laughs> you're a death doula, you're a dream worker, you're an initiate in African traditional religion, and you do astrology <laughs> and have a pretty um, profound practice with astrology, in my opinion. Oh. Um, and below the kind of more logistics bio on your website, you talked about committing yourself to an education of the heart mm -hmm. and this calling that you feel to grow and offer your ancestral medicine and your spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this to me really, it feels like a vocation, which I often feel is very different from a career in that it's a calling and it's a destiny. And many of us find ways to shape that into something that looks like a job or something, but it's, it's also so much deeper um, and expansive than that. And I'm wondering, when did you first start to hear this call? And how did you know that these directions would be calling you? Ooh, good question. Well, what immediately comes to mind as sort of a major, a major pivot point in my life, um, I, I had graduated, I had um, made a decision to not pursue further, you know, sort of licensure kind of stuff in psychology. And I, um, went to a silent retreat. I try and go to a silent retreat once or twice a year. And while I was there, I had a what what I definitely would call a big dream. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll try and just sort of condense it because dreams can get really big and voluminous. But I had a dream that a group of 
beings, I'll just say, um, was escorting, escorted me kind of around the world. And I was witnessing um, people at all ages and stages of life at, at the point of their death. And um, for some folks, I will say that there was a particular feeling that I got. Like I felt I was feeling the feelings that they had in those moments as well. And there was a particular feeling that I immediately knew in, in my bones. That is what regret actually feels like, you know? And so when I woke up, there were many, many messages I got from that dream, but a major one was around wanting to have a life where I will hopefully, you know, not have that feeling when my time is up. And so I knew that there were things that I wanted to pursue that were you know, again, this education of the heart, like I wanted to learn, I wanted to invest more time in learning astrology and taking, you know, tarot classes in, I think, you know, with some of my friends, like I would say, like, I just want to get weirder. <laughs> just want to be like, call it what you want, you know, but I really want to dive deeply into some of these things that I felt were calling me. And um, I came back from that retreat and I kid you not. And, you know, again, listeners don't, I wouldn't necessarily recommend this. Not everybody rolls like this, but I, I really rolled the dice and wrote my resignation letter <laughs> when I got back from, uh, that retreat and then had no plan by the way, but knew that, okay, I just, I got to sort of take a leap right now. Cause you know, if not now, then when, and I did. And, um, that's when I started teaching more. Um, but then also aligned with that. I started taking more classes in what is it called? like esoteric stuff. You know what I mean? Just like, whatever is <laughs> mainly at that point, it was like tarot dream work and astrology, you know, all of which I had been learning about in a very informal, ongoing way for a long time. But now it's like, okay, I feel, you know, it's one of those moments where, you know, if you, when you're ready, the teachers will appear kind of thing. And then that's exactly what started happening. And it's, oh, wow. you know, I've just been in a love affair with all of this ever since. And just I guess, gotten more and more public about that. <laughs> <laughs> Going public with your love affair for the yeah. esoteric weird. <laughs> totally. You know, they always talk about like coming out of the, coming out of the closet as a tarot card reader or coming out of the closet mm -hmm. as, oh yeah, I'm into astrology. And it's just like, yeah, that's totally what happens. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm, I have this question that I feel like could be maybe a five or 10 episode podcast series <laughs> to answer. Um, so no it. pressure. <laughs> and I, I totally feel like it's really a lot about the theme that we're talking today, but very much also about your biography and um, the streams that you bring together. I'm wondering how you feel the relationship between death and dreams. 
cleaning and dyeing. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah, you're right. Totally. 10 episodes later, here we are. Um, but, but, and also I think that I have a theory based on not a lot that that is a part of our sort of sleep deprivation. Like, you know, there's the sleep gaps, there's all kinds of, and my um, hypothesis is that it has to do with death anxiety because sleeping for all intents and purposes is kind of the closest we get to what that might be, right? Both from a positioning of our bodies to like what happens, you know, like to the level of the level of trust and faith that we actually have to, you got to really, you know, to go to sleep, there's some level of safety that you got to at least be able to access. And so it's curious to me that as our late industrial, whatever capitalism has gone on that like our capacity to have a good night's sleep has also gotten more and more disrupted you know and I just wonder about everything from death anxiety to how safe the world feels these days and I think that you know developing a dreaming practice for anyone um and definitely speaking for myself my sleep, like I think some people might call it my sleep hygiene. I don't like that word really, but how I think about sleep and my bed, my whole bed area, it's completely changed. It's like such an important, it's such an important room, you know, (laughs) you know, big things happen in there. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Mm, Wow. Uh, this is a another tangent off that tangent. <laughs> I'll circle back <laughs> at some point. But um, just to jump forward in our conversation about Saturn and Pisces, uh, which is a three-year transit, um, 2023 through 2026. Do you have any predictions or hopes or uh, maybe even like seeds of spells that you want to cast out into the podcast sphere? Um, about how you imagine Saturn's transit through Pisces might do some uh, healing work around dreaming and dying. And um, it feels like, you know, Saturn so often gets associated with the limitations of life, including mortality. Mm -hmm. And Pisces is that beyond the corporeal, whether Mm -hmm. the dream or post-life experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean... Yeah, so many things. The one thing that I'll put out into the to the podcast sphere is I I think this transit is going to offer a unique opportunity to like, I mean, it's it's gonna sound simple, but it's so not simple, not easy, you know, get into our bodies. I do think Saturn as an earth sign, as as a place where we experience our vulnerability. And are the limits in particular, the limits of our bodies, right? Especially with this relationship Saturn has to time and death, you know, the size. And with getting into our bodies in the way that Saturn can help us feel into our bodies, like there's a way that it can ignite a very Piscean 
depth of compassion and care and the value of care coming back in like a massive, epic, like a tidal wave of care. Because, you know, we can't, we can't keep going like we are. <laughs> not working. And not just like care. And then I think the other thing is that the Piscean, the way that those two energies, I think Saturn too, I mean, the interdependence, like not just care for human kin, care for the land, care for non-human kin, care for all the ancestors that, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. all the grieving that we have mm-hmm. to do over what these last few years have done, mm. right? There are many, I just feel, I feel like there's many spirits who were mm. not ready to leave and so need a lot more mourning to be able to make that transition successfully from, you know, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I know that that might be a stretch, but it just feels like, those are some big energies. Yeah. Saturn meeting Pisces feels pretty epic. Yeah. And I felt the force, you know, of your words, this kind of tidal wave of care mm. and the experience of, a, mm. you know, that Piscean mutability and the symbol of Pisces, you know, this sense of swimming in the spiritual and swimming in the material directions at the same time. And what I feel like and you named it in what you just said, but again, what both Saturn and Pisces do, I think is often like teach humility or compassion through pain, you know, and it's this suffering opens up empathy and it brings us literally to our knees, you know, and the, the joints that Saturn rules is like, come down to earth, come into your body, get out of your head, get out of your ideas about whatever and attend to what actually needs tending and that need is so enormous right now and it's you know we can feel it just ricocheting in so many directions compounding yeah and there's something about what you're saying that like that's the reclamation of a particular version of Saturn is that deep recognition of my humanity, your humanity, the interconnectedness of all the things. And then with Pisces there, like, let's take that into, <laughs> right? The yeah. cosmos, right? Yeah. So, and, 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 you know, any transformation is accompanied by some level of grief, right? The right. dissolving, right? Something's got to dissolve. Right. For something new to, you know, to make space for, to grow into, like something's got to get shed or let go of. Right. You know. Well, I remember what um, Amber McZeal was saying in uh, the opening ritual she did for Embodied Astrology for this year. And um, it was a phrase that really struck with me is, you know, there's a difference between transformation and transition. Yeah. And to we can we can think that we're transforming something when actually what we're doing is transitioning it, kind of changing its posture a little bit, putting it in a new outfit, putting it in a new location. But to actually transform something means it has to break apart, it has yeah. to melt, yeah, and dissolve. Right. And I think Saturn can help us withstand that, right? That's also a part of Saturn, I think, that um a particular type of solidity, mm-hmm. you know. 
I'm recalling, um, we had talked about this in a previous conversation and the person that first uh, told me this kind of origin story of Saturn relating to the Sumerian god Enki Mm -hmm. um, is Jason Hawley, who I really love his work. I know you know him as well. And Mm -hmm. um, he brings a lot of psychodrama analysis into (laughs) astrology. Uh And I was really struck by what feels like the severing of Saturn uh, Mm -hmm. from its wateriness, right? Like uh, Mm -hmm. maybe it's the severing of Cancer Capricorn or the severing of the uh, goat from the fish or the severing of Saturn as a mythic figure um, that at least in kind of modern traditional astrology is often represented as a patriarch and like this stern kind of rigid figure that uh, is very punitive. Mm. Um, And it feels like he's lost, you know, Saturn has lost his juiciness, like lost his tears, lost (laughs) his softness. And so with this origin story of Enki as a uh, ancestor of Saturn, Mm. um, I loved that Enki uh, had such a great sense of humor Mm-hmm. and loved pleasure mm-hmm. and went to work every day to build civilization but went to sleep every night back in the primordial oceans of chaos and you know and then in his creations that there was such tenderness and such love and everybody had a place mm. and um thinking about yeah saturn moving into pisces and this kind of transformation versus transition I guess I'm sensing the dissolving that I feel like is happening in some groups of people for some circles and some consciousnesses right like there's this dissolving of a kind of toxic rigid Mm. um I want to say internalized patriarchy or internalized masculinity that Mm -hmm. uh you know feels like this upholding of a of a stern Saturnian way of being like this is how you achieve this is how you need to have ambition this is how you got to grow up <laughs> be, a, be an adult <laughs> and and in that process it's like you know it's even in our language it's like oh you dry up and <laughs> as you age it's like you get you get dry and crusty and like no fun you know and right. my feeling as a I don't know like as a queer person as a mystic mm-hmm. as someone that likes to think in different ways around these mm-hmm. status quo uh, kind of situations. It's like, yeah. oh, the older I get, actually, the more I feel like I'm finding my flow in some yes. ways. Yes. Yeah. No wonder about like a larger scale kind of, uh, like you said, in, in when we started talking and in the intentions, like this disruption of the ideal of drying out <laughs> and calcifying. Like, why is that even an ideal that we reach towards this kind of stern lack of juiciness. Well, I love this. And here's why, because I think this is exactly to take a, you know, the sort of uh, subtitle of the series, right? Gravity and Grace, a mythopoetic inquiry, because again, in a mythopoetic mindset, in a mythopoetic view, both can exist, right? Yes, there is the aspect of Saturn that is stern and this, that, and the other, but, and also there's Saturn, you know, there's different stories to be 
amplified of Saturn right now, or also to be told, right? Because that's part of a mythopoetic um, thought process is that it helps us hold paradox. So you can tell the story of Saturn and yes, stern, da, 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 but you can also tell the juicy Saturn story and both are real, mm. right? Um, so I, I absolutely agree that just this one-sidedness and also it's so colonized. I mean, again, who told that story and who does it serve that authority power be associated with these types of things, right? There's other ways to embody power. There's other ways to to define success and progress, right? There's other types of time beyond linear time. Mm -hmm. And what happens if, and there I can hear the Pisces in that, the imagination, what happens if we let ourselves explore in responsible ways these other stories? Like what, what happens? What takes root? What is there now space for? I, I mean, it gets very exciting to think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, other types of economy, because one of the things you know, since we're kind of like maybe floating stories about Saturn, right? Is that, and I would have to check my notes, but like, you know, in Roman, when Saturn ruled, it was known as the golden age, right? Mm. Everybody had enough. There was balance. There was communalism. That doesn't sound like this sort of like stern, asymmetrical dominator Saturn that we know of today. It's like, let's reclaim that Saturn as well, right? Saturn was a god of agriculture. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And in its in its uh domiciles of Capricorn and Aquarius, when you say that, you know, I'm really feeling both of those signs as being representative of a collective, you know, that while they are, yes, traits that we might find in personalities, they're also <laughs> really speaking to a larger collective experience yes. that could be and should be and would be <laughs> uh, just, you know, and, and harmonious uh, if power was not shaped in the way that power is currently shaped in it. Yeah, that question of how did that, or, you know, another way I guess I'm wondering is like, how does the mythology of Saturn change in response to what is emerging in you know, in the collective. And so rather than, nice. you know, how did that story change? Like, why are we telling that story? It's more like that's what human beings or that's what colonized beings and colonizing forces started to dominate with as a story. And then the myth mirrors that. That's, yes. Well, mm, okay. I just have nothing to say to that, but amen. Because then it also, and I feel like I'm, preaching to the choir, talking to you, but like, we, we don't talk enough about the fact that Saturn is exalted in Libra. Right. Like we don't talk enough about that. Saturn is exalted in a sign who's ruled by Venus. Yes. What? I get goosebumps. Yes. yes. That's my Saturn. natal placement. Just repping Saturn Libra here. <laughs> <laughs> Conjunct with Pluto. Right. Like we don't, yeah. we don't talk enough about that aspect of Saturn, where it's about 
you know, I don't, you know, I know we've talked about like not really being into this idea of like right relationship, but something about just and reciprocity and exchange, which again, like back to Saturn was a god of agriculture, the natural world seeds and cycles and, you know, fallow periods. That is a particular type of time to live by as well. You know, I just, I can just hear a whole other, you know, a whole other story emerging. Like you said, like, what stories do we call forth via the lives that we live? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, brain explosion. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I have two concurrent (laughs) thought streams. One, okay, one, as you were talking about, Saturn in relationship to agriculture and this different orientation towards Saturnian energy. I was really feeling in my body the um, mind of my bones, Mm. um, which is a phrase that any, you know, anyone that's a frequent somatics explorer probably has heard. But for folks who are unfamiliar with this term, um, one practice that moves across many different somatic modalities is feeling into the mind of different tissues and really tuning into the bones is a very different kind of consciousness than say tuning into the muscles mm-hmm. and tuning into the bones for me always brings me into a state of clarity and quiet. And I'm feeling the, ancestral connection of bones and also bones as the last remains of bodies that are allowed to decompose naturally. And the the actual clarity of bones in the sense that we can't fake postural alignment. You know, it's like you can you can fake it with your muscles. You can yeah. use your muscles to hold your body in, in some kind of shape. Mm -hmm. That will definitely result in muscular tension and pain. Mm -hmm. And the sensation of getting into an alignment for your own body, right? Like where your weight is actually centered in your joints. Yep. Brings the body mind into a calmness and a clarity. Mm -hmm. And when you were talking about the relationship between Saturn and, and Libra and Saturn's exaltation there, I was thinking, Libra harm is, is harmonious, right? Like there's this ease that Libra wants and ah, Saturn is exalted there because Saturn wants ease too. It doesn't want, you know, I think this is a lot of the wisdom of both Capricorn and Aquarius. It's like, it doesn't want to work too hard. And it's part of that instinct of the Saturnian types to scoff at, (laughs) you know, more of the like fiery types or something that are like, jumping out of their seats to go off and do something right away without thinking it through because it's like the Saturnian types are like you're gonna make extra work for yourself bitch like pause wise effort wise effort right so mm, feeling that can I say one thing to what you said about (laughs) bones because it kind of loops back to the juicy Saturn (laughs) the juicy Saturn may we reclaim juicy Saturn in 2020 well you know so quite literally, again, might be preaching to the choir, but bones in our bodies are actually wet. And mm-hmm. so, right? What we- Full see, of fluid. 
right? What we see and come to know as bones and remains, right, are dried mineral salts. Right. Bones are much more pliable. Living tissue. Yeah. Porous. Mm -hmm. Full of your immunity, like your body's, you know, actual resistance and chi and health. Things we don't talk enough about. Well, I think that, that, that actually, you know, would bring us back to what's this relationship between dreams and death and you're, you know, what you brought in, in a, um, you know, in, in one sense of that relationship as a fear of dying Mm -hmm. and a fear of sleeping and a fear of resting that is culturally celebrated, you know, within heteropatriarchal white supremacist capitalism, it's like, you better not rest. Otherwise you're lazy and bad, AKA otherwise you're not making money for the elite. Right. Yeah. And so this feeling of um, reclaiming this kind of juiciness of Saturn and its patience and its natural correspondence to limitations and boundaries. And the, you mentioned this the other day, you said the divine no This kind of like clarity of boundary that says no, reclaiming the Sabbath, Saturn's Mm -hmm. day, a day of rest and integration. Mm -hmm. And in rest, we integrate, in rest, we recalibrate, in rest, our fluids replenish. Something you said sent me somewhere, Saturn and rest. And again, that reclaiming of the Sabbath, taking the time to reflect, right? Because Sabbath is also not always just like, it's like a time to look, take a look, right? Have yeah. a listen. How am I doing? You know, yeah. what, what to, it's like a tending time too, right? Like you said, like, it's like, okay, I need to rest. Do I need an extra pillow? I don't know. You know, it is, there is mm-hmm. a kind of ev- the evaluative component, but I feel like the Saturn that, that um, I'm wanting to reclaim is that type of scrutiny if if we want to if we want to call it that you know what I mean um rather than like that critical overbearing part it's more like no it's actually so that when you do rest it is maximizing Mm -hmm. your restoration Mm -hmm. you know like what do you need and to consciously you know to turn off your electronics to turn off your lights to not use electric lights right like as the invitation for the sabbath like we're going to give our eyes a rest from the blue light and give our pineal glands a chance to open up a little bit to those uh dream spaces Mm. and in that the gaze turns internal which I think is deeply one of Saturn's lessons, you know, and um, in in the sense of Saturn being a, a deity of limitations and boundaries and, and time, uh, Saturn is often teaching us, I think, to slow down and to reflect and to have humility and respect for what we are a part of. And it's hard to do that if we're constantly moving forward, constantly extending outward. Yeah. I have so many thoughts in my mind. I have a question and I want to make sure that I've gotten it right. Am I correct in remembering that what house is it that Saturn takes its joy in? The 12th. There we go. Yes. In Pisces place. Yeah. Right. Like Mm -hmm. they're, there's, they're in relationship to each other. Mm -hmm. Right. And there is something about 
the wrapping up of things, the completion of a cycle. It also makes me think of the sensitivity cycle, you know, like, okay, I have an impulse in my body. Mm -hmm. I identify that as thirst. Then I move toward a glass of water. Then I take that water in. Then I allow it to nourish me. And then I rest, right? To let it do what it's doing before I Yes. Move on to the next impulse, right? Because they're just going to keep coming. Right. 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 Which also, you know, that evokes for me Saturn's transit through Pisces actually as this um this really interesting time for Saturn to be moving out of six years in its domicile. Okay. Six years where these, you know, qualities of Saturnian function that seem like they're very much embodying in a lot of ways the more patriarchal, supremacist, or hierarchical um, ways of being. And at the same time, mm. I mean, I, at the same time, like I have to say mm. Saturn's uh, conjunction with Pluto oh, yeah. in 2020, to me, I mean, even though that aspect so clearly described a societal breakdown and um, you know, in hindsight, looking at the pandemic, it's like, okay, yeah, yep. Right. But also I, I remember for several years before that, cause I started reading charts in 2014 mm-hmm. and I had a ton of, uh, people whose charts I read who were born in the late eighties and the nineties who had, uh, the Neptune, Uranus and many of them Saturn and Capricorn uh-huh. uh, conjunctions. Wow. And so with all of them, you know, we were looking at Pluto's transit through Capricorn because mm-hmm. it was setting off their generational placements. And it's, it's like, okay, what is this bringing in right. on a collective level? And so many people were doing some kind of archival, historic, remembering, ancestral something or other. Yeah. And and Pluto's transit through Capricorn, when I think about uh, cultural shift, I feel like there's been a huge uh, kind of re-emergence, rebirthing um, and regeneration of ancestral traditions that had been more underground, you know, not, not gone, but definitely more underground than they are currently where I feel like now there's podcasts, there's books, everybody's doing ancestral reclaiming. It's like this deep, you know, deep practices that are emerging into more of a kind of collective zeitgeist. And so Saturn, you know, moving from Capricorn into Aquarius and now into Pisces, um, what you were just saying, this piece around endings and the need to reflect before the new beginnings because Saturn will move into Aries in 26, 2026. Mm-hmm. You know, like what needs to get cleared out in this transit? Like if Saturn finds its joy in the 12th house, if it can yep. move through Pisces and do some work around, you know, get sweeping, <laughs> like doing yep. some sweeping work. Yep. Some maybe some cleansing, some purging work, what needs to get cleared out in the thickness of the residue so that we can actually tap into the regenerative qualities that right. Saturn is uh, inviting potentially. Right. And I think, and therein 
<laughs> is the rub. You know, I think it's in the way it's that sweeping mm. that that wants to happen, that starts to happen, that feels like it's happening, that we, myself included, kind of get caught up in Saturn as the bad guy, so to speak, when it's a it's a necessary disorienting, disorganizing moment, right? <laughs> it's a letting go. It's also, I don't know. And so I, in preparation for this, I definitely looked back on like my major, you know, my Saturn return and then other times where Saturn's, you know, kind of done some major things in my life. And one of the things that I think, and I don't know if you would agree with me or not, is that I feel like Saturn (laughs) has this way of confronting me with my own attachments. Mm -hmm. That can be really... (laughs) (laughs) agree that can be really intense (laughs) you know it's like oh okay I'm I'm really attached to this to my suffering to just let's go there right I I can be very invested in a particular thread or in and for that's for a lot of reasons like too afraid to try something different my own trauma history my own social conditioning as a you know black queer fit you know and it's just like okay but the only way I'm going to move right here we are back to the body like tension states right tension as that precursor to movement to the flow yeah And I think we were talking about this, you know, recently, like, it's like, it's a choice, you Mm -hmm. know, it's, I have a choice, or I think, what was the example we came up with? It was like, you know, Saturn's like, okay, I'm the little kid that wants to eat candy 24 seven. Saturn comes in as the parent that's like, okay, you need some broccoli. And so I can either eat the broccoli, or I can resist it and keep eating candy all the time. But then Three months later, I need a root canal because my mouth is full of cavities. Now Saturn rules the teeth. But like, who's that on, so to speak? Right, right. Yeah, and that, you know, definitely is the kind of relationship, (laughs) I think, between Jupiter and Saturn and (laughs) Jupiterian excess. Like, let's have more. Just, Just one more piece of candy won't hurt you. You know, and then Saturn coming in with the discipline and the boundary and the judiciousness or the wisdom. Right. Well, and I think, you know, one of the things that we talked about in the, in a tea time and EA, again, remembering that discipline comes from being a disciple to oneself. Again, it's not, it it does not have to connote a punitive authoritarian situation. It's like discipline as being true to me right? What my, again, what my body needs, what, you know, what my spirit needs, like, and so sometimes that means, oh, going to bed an hour earlier than I typically, than I might want to actually, but I know that my body needs that rest, you know, Mm -hmm. again, um, but that's so much care, you know, there's a lot of care to Saturn, I think, there's a lot of care. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Well, as you're talking, I'm 
I'm really feeling this uh, both and that you yes. invited in with the mythopoetics. Yes. Um, and my mind was going back to this piece around clearing out. Yeah. And, and I was feeling the hardship, you know, yeah. of Saturn as well. And um, being at a time of uh, global yeah. chronic illness, right? Yeah. And this lack of care, like extreme lack of care for the care workers and for the ones who uphold, literally uphold society. Right. And for the beings of uh, smaller dimensions, whether they're microbial or, you know, in the soil or in the water or, uh, you know, the future generations of children, you know, but that there's this disregard for the small pieces and, and an imposition of um, burden, you know, this incredible burden. Talked about it, yeah. Right, that is in the conditions of, of status quo reality of like, you know, where we are at in 2023 after 500 years of colonization and 3,000 some years of religious terrorism. Mm-hmm. And this sense of the clearing out you know, Saturn and Pisces can also very much read as um, continuing harsh conditions, you know, yeah. that bring in dr- dryness and austerity into this lush creative space of planet Earth, where it's like, there actually is plenty, and we should have enough. And there should be enough for everybody. And yet there's not. And that within that, like within that version of Saturn, as these harsh conditions due to the patriarchal hierarchical fuckery. There's also at the same time, this other iteration of Saturn, Saturnian function that you were speaking to around personal choice and commitment and dedication and discipleship that is kind of like beside the point of the idea of transcendence, right? Like, it's like, I feel like Saturn, you know, one of Saturn's lessons is really about time and limitations. And it's like, you know, the, the world is an intense place and uh, it it is a very, you know, childish dream in some ways to think, oh, by the time I get somewhere, it's going to be better. And I'm going to make this huge difference. (laughs) And, and so maybe that's not going to happen within Uh our lifespans. Yeah. But when I tune in with Saturn as an ancestral energy and the, uh, like the resilience of memory Mm. and, um, love, you know, like the resilience of love that travels through cellular memory and modeling and story and, um, upholding integrity, like this Saturnian way of just upholding integrity, even within harsh conditions. And then it feels like this long sense of time. And you you said the other day, like the long now Mm -hmm. where history is now and it's happening now, but also so is the future potential. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm bringing myself to. And it's not because I think there's going to be some magical outcome. No, It's because of the commitment and the discipleship. I have to take a moment because... Again, this is the part of Saturn that I feel like is, so Jupiter is about faith. I think Saturn brings on a different refining 
of what faith is, what hope is. I feel like Saturn is hope as something you do, right? The choices you make mm. in that, like what you're saying, like, like not because I'm a, t- I'm focused on an outcome. It's actually because I, you said it before. It's because you are present. Like you are making yeah. a choice to come to yeah. your body and to be in this moment and to uphold your dignity right now. Right now. Yeah. And because I know that Saturn carries some really hard truths. Again, back to that harsh, the, the, and this is where I think, again, me as in my studies as an end of life doula and death awareness educator in my different training and research and personal, you know, lived experience, understanding trauma and trauma recovery and post-traumatic, you know, growth is that, like you said, life is hard. It's unpredictable, right? And so to whatever degree Saturn invites us to not live in some delusion of safety, Mm-hmm. that feels really provocative to say. I mean, I think that's the kind of provocation that a lot of people need right now is to right. not live in the delusion of safety. Right. You know, I, I was, I was reading something and I can't remember where I read it, but if I remember, I'll put it, I'll send it to you and have maybe put it in the show notes or maybe it'll be in the series. But oftentimes when Saturn transits through Pisces, a big lie or a big illusion gets illuminated, mm-hmm. gets undone, mm-hmm. you know, charismatic figures fall, mm-hmm. gurus, you know, get outed, like all mm-hmm. kinds of, and so I think that that there's something about what we're talking about now that feels on the same continuum of like the choices we make aren't just about us. And Saturn really brings that home. Like we are either actively contributing to a better world or actually actively contributing to more chaos. Yeah. And, you know, again, Saturn's like, do what you want, but don't sit here and play in my face about it. (laughs) Right. This is what it is. Don't lie to yourself. (laughs) And I, you know, I'm thinking about (laughs) Pisces as a, as a space where, and I don't, I mean, I have Pisces in my eighth house. It's like a place of, uh, you know, intimacy and stuff like that. And I'm thinking about, oh, this Piscean desire to lie to yourself, you know, to be like, this is amazing. Nothing could go wrong. Why should I have any boundaries? Let me just give everything away. Let me just, da, 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 da. you know, it's like, that's one way that I sometimes experience as Pisces in the eighth house. Oh, Pisces can be so intoxicating. Let's so be- intoxicating. So intoxicating. But also within this, um, you know, these bubbles of privilege that certainly I feel like I live within several bu- bubbles of privilege, mm. that there's plenty of, of, access to and also encouragement to sweep things under the rug in the proverbial sense you know and to bypass and to um gaslight you know and to ignore yeah and that 
and a moment ago I said, oh, you know, people need to provoke, be provoked uh-huh. out of the illusion of safety. And, and it's like this feeling of, um, I just speak for my own embodiment, like within maybe the bubble of privilege of whiteness that not speaking for, you know, hashtag not all white people, but kind of, you know, it's like, (laughs) it's like, can we do the work to step into the discomfort Mm. of looking at what the, what our privileges or advantages Mm. afford when it comes to contributing to the chaos, you know, and, and when it comes to the contributing to the harm and that, that, and that that decision to step into that, mm-hmm. which could be compelled by a Saturn in Pisces transit, right? By a increasing sense of compassion or empathy or mm-hmm. awareness that's growing. But that that decision to step willingly into discomfort is mm-hmm. not the same as being unsafe, right? Like that there's often this conflation between discomfort and actual danger, especially for, you know, those of us living in in privileged bubbles that, you know, those bubbles get threatened and then it's like, ah, my ego is going to get hurt or something, but it's not actual danger, but that it, you know, that integrity to like move into something where you're addressing the fogginess, you know, and actually instead of sweeping it under the rug, that you're lifting the rug up, right? And doing this work of, of Saturn and its exaltation, being like, what's under there? Let's, <laughs> you know, let's actually deal with some of this stuff. Right. And this is where something about the powerful moment that this could be, mm. right? Could be, yeah. Right, because I feel like Pisces can su- be so supportive of, whatever pains we might encounter in this transition, Pisces is there again to, to like, to keep things moist, you know, (laughs) right. To like, to cool, to, to cool it off, to, to, you know, all of those particular qualities of water, right. To help us through. Yeah. What can be some harsh, confrontations with reality you know because that's right. what it is right it's right. reality mm-hmm. Saturn I think that's a part of maybe something that gets mislabeled it's like oh Saturn's harsh it's like Saturn's real Saturn's real <laughs> Saturn, <laughs> Saturn puts us squarely in reality takes you out of the fantasy out of the right. illusion and mm-hmm. and that in and of itself is is enough to like <laughs> make us want to run for the hills you know Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. reality is kind of hard to be in sometimes but I think again with the support of Pisces in whatever you know whatever configuration you've got that in we then also have the ability to to bring some of that Pisces magic out of fantasy and into something real yes Yes. Real. And and I'm thinking of, yeah, previous Saturn and Pisces transits. Um, you know, I think Saturn was in Pisces when Nelson Mandela was elected and yeah. apartheid came to an end in South Africa, yeah. or quote unquote kind of came to an end. Yeah. Um, Saturn was in Pisces uh with the New Deal and FDR and 
you know, different, different attempts, I think, to realize the, you know, I think the deeper Saturn, right, the Saturn that hasn't forgotten its juiciness, different yeah. attempts to realize structurally what would allow Pisces to flow, like this better sense of taking care of all. Right, right. And I think that that something about like, um, like you, and I appreciate that we're using sort of words of possibility, right? An attempt, what it could be, because I think that's, that's all we can ever actually count on. And that's the other thing Saturn wants us to know. Am I making sense? That just came to me, right? We can only ever count on the possibility that something will be different, but we won't actually ever know that it can be unless we do it. That's it. Unless That's we it. try it, unless we bring it into reality, unless we pass the bill, mm-hmm. that's, do the that's actually all we can ever count on Yes, is possibility. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think Pisces is here to be like, and it's worth it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like imagine, you know, use yeah. your imaginations, bring that into some form. Right. Mm-hmm. We could get beyond this. Like there is more to life than this. There is more and, potential for society know, than this. And it's and it's guess what? It's not going to be perfect. No. Right? But but maybe, you know, let's try something radically different because maybe we'll get a radically different result. Yeah. And and whether or not we get a radically different result immediately, I yes. think kind of comes back to this sense of of generational time and cyclical time and the knowing that we are investing in a slow process. And that just like bones grow slowly over time through resistance and pressure in relationship to gravity, you know, you can literally change the shape of your bones by every single day showing up to some kind of practice where you're changing your relationship with gravity and pressure. Wow. And it's not going to happen overnight and it's not going to happen in a week or a month or a year, but it will happen over a decade. Right. And there's some, okay, for some reason, and don't know that it's going to be entirely connected. This is where I feel the Saturnian piece. Why I think that mythopoetics and storytelling works so well for Saturn, because that's how it carries on. Yeah. That's how future generations can get fed by what we do now too, right? Via telling, like, what do we preserve? Like, I don't know, there's something about that that's really striking me around the stories that we tell about how we got through this. Mm. You know, how we'll get through this. You know, cause Saturn has this also like legacy you know, lineage, but I think beyond blood lineage also, mm-hmm. right? Like, hmm, just thinking a lot now about other types of lineages, right? That we call upon in these moments. Mm-hmm. Lineages of care, lineages of our imagination. Oh, earlier, something you said made me think about Saturn and Pisces, dare I say it, the word Sankofa really did pop into my mind. Hmm. You know, like this idea of going back Mm -hmm. to get what's been lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm just hanging out with that, right? And I think it was when you were talking about, you know, love 
Saturnian integrity and that exaltation in Libra piece, and then Pisces, compassion, interdependence, you know, mm -hmm. those two things coming together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> for me, like what is actually sustainable? You know, you can't sustain terrorism. It, you, you can annihilate everything with it. Yeah, right. And you can't sustain supremacy. You can annihilate everything with it. Oh, it's so what long. is actually sustainable is love. You know, that, that is what the final commitment is going to have to be on one level or another, you know, whether it's in corporeal form. Well, so here's the thing, as you're saying that, I feel like we forget or maybe, I don't want to say we, because maybe some people forget. I feel like the most potent sweeper, so to speak, destroyer of things is love. You know what I'm mm. saying? In my experience, the most potent force that can destroy something is actually love. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't yeah. know how to get there. I don't know how we got there, but it feels like a good transition point okay. to ask you about your series in Pisces and Mythopoetics. Well, this is what it's going to be like. <laughs> you have a four session series with Embodied yeah. Astrology. It's very exciting. On March 7th, you and yes. I are going to hang out together and co-facilitate the first session. Ooh, yeah. um, and then you're going to take it from there into three more sessions in May and October and November. Yes. Um, Sherry, will you tell us a little bit about your series with Embodied Astrology, Gravity and Grace? Yes. So four sessions. The first session is going to be a lot of like laying the groundwork, talking about Saturn, its history, and how, you know, some really surprising things about how strange people have been in relationship to this planet. <laughs> <laughs> and also gearing up for, again, what it can be. So the first session is going to look at Saturn's avatar or like Saturn's facet as the Lord of time. And again, like a lot of exploration of time and the body, these different types of time, you know, and even thinking again from myth, from that mythopoetic place, like most most epic stories start with some reference to time, right? You're either once upon a time, once or... upon a time, <laughs> far away and long ago, like, or you're dropped into the middle of it, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, it's all happening at once. So we're going to spend some time doing that. I have a lot of ideas for activities to sort of like support the in-between time, you know, on the, our circle community. Also going to talk about the hidden trickster figure that I found inside of Saturn, which again, makes sense with everything that we're talking about, but I don't want to give it away right now because I want you to come. Um, and then the second session, we're going to look at Saturn as it's called binding and loosing. And one of Saturn's names is the ring past knot. And it's very intense. <laughs> I mean, just the name, the ring past the knot. What? You know, it will be more focused on planetary magic, an invitation to do some Saturnian devotion on Saturdays. And I'm going to offer some ideas to folks around how they might again, develop their own relationship with their 
Saturnian function, right? Their Saturn function. Then the third session is going to be called eulogy work because as we've been saying, like Saturn in Pisces is also a completion, a closing down, a sweeping out. And so um, I'm, I actually want to bring in there, like talking about practices like keening that we've lost where it's the body really supporting a process of grief. Um, Maybe, you know, I'm going to extend different invitations for how people can let go of the things that need to be let go of, you know, um, whether that's writing little eulogies for parts of their experience that again, can be integrated, right? Because again, we put ourselves in the ground, but that just means we go back into the earth. It's like integration, period, truly. Um, So eulogy work, which I'm very excited about. Um, And then for the final session, it is going to be on dream work because the thing that I'm thinking, and some of this is very emergent because Pisces, um, also because me, and that's (laughs) typically (laughs) who I am, but the final session, it's like, okay, the boundaries of your imagination, Mm -hmm. which is like, well, now that feels interesting to me right? Like the boundaries of your imagination, Saturn and Pisces, it's like, that's, those are your limits. Mm. But at this point, you know, the idea is that you've been working with Saturn, you've done some planetary magic, or like kind of gotten to understand a little bit of how Saturn operates in your life right now through this transit or what, what potential invitations and questions it is inviting you to be in conversation with. And then, you know, had some ideas about what you would like to see shift, put to rest, you know, kind of put back even in its rightful place, so to speak, you know, um, through the eulogy work and then, right, setting yourself up to like move out and into the rest of the, you know, the rest of the transit, but only limited by your most audacious dream for yourself, Mm. right? Mm. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Yeah, when you and I were originally talking about you doing something with embodied astrology, I didn't know what you were going to work on, you know, and Mm -hmm. it was just this invitation. You've been coming to tea time for a while and you would show up at tea time and these revelations would just emerge out of your mouth. And it was (laughs) like, oh my God, who's Sherry? (laughs) How do we get her to teach a workshop? And then you said you wanted to do Saturn and Pisces and, um, yeah, I just felt so excited for the journey that you're going to take us on. And especially in this in this weaving of dreams and death work and also life work. I mean, I really feel like yes. this work around building intimacy with death is really building intimacy with life. Period. And so I guess, you know, one more question maybe just to to wrap this conversation up oh. and to bring us full circle. Since we're talking about life and death. What is your intention for this series? There's so many things that come to mind, but really, okay, I have a lot of things to say, but I think to be of service, that's it. In true Virgo style. (laughs) Like really, that's it. Like this feels like such a gift. It feels like everyone's going to be learning together. It just really feels like this is what it looks like to start to shift the thing. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's like, oh, 
we're doing the, we're going to live ourselves into exactly what we've been talking about, you know, mm. communities of care, what different ways of learning and being together. This is it, right? So it, it, this is a part of a dream that I've had for a long time that feels like, oh, look at Saturn and Pisces, putting some legs on it, putting some legs <laughs> on it for, you know? Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, so I just, yeah, hope that whoever chooses to come along for this journey, may it serve the highest good of all concerned. Mm. May it be so. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks for being here. It's such a pleasure to talk to you every single time. When you just mentioned your Virgo, I was looking at your chart. I hope it's okay to say this. Yes. Sherry's Virgo rising, a quadruple Virgo, Virgo rising, Virgo sun, Mercury, Mars conjunct in Virgo, opposite Jupiter in Pisces. And I feel like this psychopomp shapeshifter mm-hmm. um, ally in the transition energy that you have so mm-hmm. strongly in that. And and both of these placements for you, Jupiter is conjunct with Juno, uh, the heaven, the heavenly deities, both retrograde, partile conjunct, really uh, such a deep symbol for me of this commitment to service and generosity that I feel flow through you. Oh, wow. Yeah. Trining your Saturn and Cancer in the 11th house, Ugh. bringing the juiciness to the masses. Sherry Taylor, doing the Lord's work. Bless your heart. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I hope that everybody listening um, will join us for this journey. And I know that I'm really excited and I feel like it's going to change my life. So thank <laughs> you. <laughs> thank you for offering it. Thank you so much for listening to Embodied Astrology. To find more information about Grace and Gravity, a mythopoetic inquiry into Saturn and Pisces, and to learn more about Sherry and her offerings, please check the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with your friends and networks. Leave us an affirmative review on your favorite listening platforms and consider making a one-time or recurring donation to support future productions. You can find more guest episodes at embodiedastrology.com in the listen section or wherever you stream your podcasts. Stay tuned in with the earth, skies, and planets by becoming a member of Embodied Astrology. Our membership tiers include access to monthly Embodied Astrology readings for your sun, rising sign, weekly moon day movement classes in the Embodied Astrology somatic space, and a sweet supportive virtual community where you're encouraged to explore your chart through the lens of your own embodied experience. You can find more information in the show notes or at embodiedastrology.com forward slash join.